Kia ora, I'm Andrew from Ara Video in Wellington, New Zealand, and welcome to episode 20 of Back to the Disc Player, a podcast inspired by our Adopt-A-Movie scheme, enabling film lovers to purchase an exclusive lifelong affiliation with a title in the Ara Video Library, or an acquisition that we may not have. This is a belated episode, it's been over four months since the last one, and to be honest with you, I didn't even know if I was going to return to doing this after a pretty intense 2019 in which I was fortunate enough to celebrate our 30th birthday in September, but also had some major disruption in my personal life, both good and bad, some of which might be relevant to the conversation you're about to hear. Uh, But I was really pleased to get back to it uh, with this interview, which I think you'll agree is extraordinary. It's with Kenneth Chapman, a passionate customer and avid listener of this podcast, who's burdened with a young man's ambitions to be a writer-director, but also has many other magnificent obsessions, which also happens to be the title of a film that Kenneth has adopted, uh, in addition to a couple of films starring bonafide contemporary movie star Julia Roberts. This episode was also potentially controversial because Kenneth's film geek obsession extended toward a female former staff member here at Aro Video. The story is so personal that I felt it only fair to get permission from that person for her name to be mentioned and she graciously obliged my request. So thank you so much, Misma. Uh, So if you're intrigued already, you will not be disappointed. And just a word of warning, the interview is cut short slightly for a mysterious reason, uh, owing to our aging recording equipment. So my apologies for the abrupt ending, which occurred just before we said goodbye. I hope you do enjoy this enthralling conversation with my guest, Kenneth Chapman. Hi, Kenneth, and welcome to Upstairs at Aro Video. (laughs) You've heard that a few times before. I take it because uh, you are, uh, um, uh, w- w- you know, when I was regularly doing this podcast, of which I am now returning to, to do this interview, <laughs> you were a regular uh, Yeah, I was like, listener. oh, I, I must be this uh, podcast's biggest fan because I've listened to every episode. <laughs> every time I go back on well, my phone and say, you're all caught up. <laughs> it's music to my ears. Yeah, um, that's that's very nice. Yeah, but I have this theory about people that um, that that avidly listen to to podcasts. They tend to be people that want to be guests on the yeah. podcast. Oh yeah, I'd love a... to be a guest on all the podcasts that I listen to, even the ones about like chefs and stuff like that. <laughs> well, very good. Well, so so is this your debut uh, as a guest on a podcast? Yeah, somebody else's. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you say somebody else's. So you have had a, a go at your own. Yeah, I recorded some interviews and things like that for a, like not for a few years, but yeah, yeah, I just was. I love the the medium, just like yeah. the long form, unfiltered, full context. Nice, yeah, yeah. So you are you listen to podcasts every day? Would you say most days? Yeah, yeah. like definitely have clocked thousands of hours. So. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So you're a very, very knowledgeable, up to the minute chap. Yeah, I don't know. The podcasts that I listen to are extremely niche. You know, like they're about like whether it's fine dining restaurants or graffiti right. art or whatever. It's not. Sure. I don't listen to a lot of current events podcasts no, or right. <laughs> up right. to the minute. Okay. All right. It's so you're a niche fanboy podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, it's great to have you um, as a guest on uh, Back to the Disc Player. Um, you've been a, um, a regular and. Uh, uh, enthusiastic supporter of Ara Video over quite a few years so it's great to have you and um, we've had some 
fantastic chats <laughs> over the counter, <laughs> over, the counter over, yeah. over the years and um, um, and so uh, so you were uh, um, an obvious candidate <laughs> to like ah oh, why don't you come and have a chat yeah and, I, I um, kind of wanted to um, almost say like our video is is easily the only kind of business or enterprise that I actually have any kind of loyalty to in any meaningful way like there's no like clothing store or sports store or anything that has anything yeah. close to the kind of like if it was gone that it would make a difference in my life mm. you know what I mean mm. Mm. Um, because there's not many services that people provide that they're the only ones in yeah. an entire city or an entire country mm. that offers that service most yeah. things that people go out and buy or trade you could do it in many different places or you could do it online or whatever so yeah. Aro is yeah. like very specifically special in that way nice. to me that's and that's why nice I'm like oh I'm so. glad the people who work there yeah are cool to talk to because yeah. then it would be like a lot harder to um, have a, a kind of a a tethering to the product but not yeah. to the the brand but yeah. i'm like oh, i support the brand and i support the yeah. the product yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of been really easy to be loyal because nice. it's that like, is so nice of you, you to know? say thank you so much and uh and you've also um been a uh, annual subscriber you know so you you you, you bought yeah. sort of <laughs> like one year subscriptions in advance to uh you know as as a supportive gesture as much as anything as well so yeah ironically like in this moment i'm like just out of mind because i'm moving away but yeah for the last few years definitely mm. it was like even if i knew i was going to be away for a little bit like of course i wanted to get the most expensive mm. offer there because i'm mm. like well if i'm not getting that who the mm. hell is right. you know because yeah. that's how much the store means to me yeah I, I should definitely be prepared to get the highest paid subscription yeah. you know so we we are before i get all teary-eyed we are going to lose you as a customer because you're you, you're moving yeah. to Auckland, I believe. Yeah, in April. Yeah, yeah. So, what's brought that on? What, what's the? Yeah, there's just like, for me as someone who's like pushing, like trying to get a, a film career going, behind the camera, there's just certain opportunities up there that are a lot more difficult to do long distance. Um, producers that developing projects with and stuff that having to fly back and forth to try and get things going especially when you don't have a lot of money and stuff it just at a certain point you just kind of bite the bullet and go all right this is probably going to develop in twice the speed if i'm actually there mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier logistically so mm-hmm. um it's definitely not like a permanent move it's more mm-hmm. like this project needs this now yep. so maybe for the next 12 months hopefully yep. that's yeah because i need to be there (laughs) i don't like if i'm there for five years then there's Mm. a lot of failure (laughs) very easy to get sucked into the vortex of auckland though i've got several friends who have done it um but uh, but there there is uh, there is a lot more buoyancy in the industry yeah more work and more you know a much larger network you can plug into if uh, if you can if you can so uh so what aspirations do you have film industry wise what are you specifically wanting to do uh yeah it's definitely writing and directing Mm -hmm. is the is kind of the dream and that's kind of like the roles i've played in the kind of smaller self-finance projects that i've done in the past and that's kind of what i want to continue doing forward so Mm. hopefully yeah the idea is just one day to be 
writing and directing for mm-hmm. a living. Mm-hmm. I guess that's anyone's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. definition of where they'd want to get to is to not have to do any other work but that mm-hmm. to kind of survive. And you're in your, your late 20s, Kenneth? Yeah, 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 yeah I'm yeah, 28. Yeah. 28, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. trying to think of how so old I was. The, um, so are you, are you script writing a lot? I, I mean, is that something you can yeah, yeah. chipping away at? Have you got... Definitely, yeah. like... It's funny to have like done something for like thousands of hours but like never been paid a dollar for it it's like it's it's kind of weird when you think about like oh this thing that you've done like basically as like a part-time slash full-time job for your whole adult life but you've actually (laughs) never been paid for it so Mm -hmm. um but that's that's definitely like where the real passion is is like creating characters creating worlds Mm -hmm. writing original content um i definitely wouldn't be imagining myself like doing anything based on other people's ip right at least right, not right. maybe for a very long time right or so something magical just popped into my lap and it was too good to turn down sure uh, what about the idea of of a day job though in the film industry that would be something that you would not turn down mm. isn't that one of the reasons you would go to auckland where the industry's bigger where you can not really. It's, not really it's really funny because people always ask like oh do you would you want to be like a crew member or this or that but like I started doing like some private tutoring for kids, like photography and editing and things like that. And that's what I look to do for a day job rather than Mm. jumping on crews and stuff. Maybe I'll try a few like short films or something just for fun or for networking. Mm. But for me, like I'm way, I'd be way more passionate about like working with kids and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, If it was from like a job than to be working on somebody else's vision or something. Cause I, I guess I'm like, like any kind of director you're very much like a control freak and egotistical and all these mm-hmm. like um you know not so great things that are, an idealist yeah like definitely an idealist <laughs> as well and i love like i'm like oh i can help them like mm-hmm. in a way that to me is way more like better mm-hmm. service to the world than helping like another mm-hmm. adult mm-hmm. um so i take like huge satisfaction from like mm-hmm. teaching a kid how to how to shoot video or how to nice. shoot manual photography or something. I was actually talking to a customer last week who mentioned you, uh, uh, you know, that, that you were the nanny of their family. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they they came text in. me about it. Yeah, right. And they said about, you know, what great movies you'd, you'd expose them to and so forth. So that sounded, that was quite a nice yeah, connection. Yeah, definitely, like, from doing a lot of, like, volunteer work with the kids over the last couple of years, uh, it's either, like, I'm, like, my dream lifestyle would basically be like making films and then volunteering with the kids and making films like mm-hmm. um that would be like an amazing combination mm-hmm. to me um because i'm like obsessed with this idea of potential mm-hmm. and like kids are just raw potential mm-hmm. so like nothing mm-hmm. gets me more excited than like what somebody could be mm-hmm. um whereas like when you're working with a lot of adults you s- you've seen a lot of the potential already like die away mm-hmm. or have been crushed by like reality <laughs> or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. so for me i like a kid represents mm. so much potential and that's so exciting mm. so like i don't know if that's a selfish thing but like i love to be around that energy because it's so inspiring mm-hmm. you know that's cool it reminds me of um something similar that i heard a couple of weeks ago um, a woman called sarah delahunty does um uh, she's been a theatre writer and director for decades um, and um, she was singing the praises of working with youth you know that, that that's mm-hmm. her her specialty you know was just working with young people and she almost said the same thing as yeah you. they're almost like a 
like magic because like I'm an extremely introverted person so like if I'm like at a party or something as soon as I leave I'm like exhausted like the only time I'm around a group of people and I leave feeling more energized as if it's with a group of kids like mm-hmm. if I leave like I just came back from St. John like I'm like hyped after that or if mm-hmm. I leave a girl guides you know meeting or something like I'm always like in a way better mood afterwards mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to like when I'm with a group of adults mm-hmm. like I don't know did, if that's you like cynical, that, that, that but it like, may be your true calling. I mean, I mean you are aware <laughs> that that's... <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't, like... Uh, Given the writer-director, you know, um, uh, pro- professional, yeah, uh, you know, is a fairly uh, narrow, uh, you know, set of uh, individuals. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I'm not raining on your dreams here, Kenneth. No, I'm, no, other people have mentioned it I'm just saying uh, what you know is screamingly too. obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like, uh, there are like plenty of days where like, I wish I didn't want to make movies because it's like, right. it's extremely difficult to have a career out of it. Yeah. So it's kind of that curse mm. where you go, you know, where you fail for five plus years in a row mm. <clears throat> or like, you know, quote unquote fail on paper mm-hmm. and yet you just keep trying it mm. and you're like, why do I keep wanting to do this? But it's like, it's because like you have to, mm. like, it's like asking the same girl out, like on the same day every year for 10 years and she says no every time like why would you think the next year she's gonna say yes right but you just keep on going and going mm-hmm. and there's like super dark days where you just like mm-hmm. you wish you just could replay the whole last 10 years of your life and take it all back and then the next day you wake up and go like you're so optimistic and like this is the year this is the year mm-hmm. this is the project it's gonna happen it's gonna happen mm-hmm. And I kind of, like, went through that so many times, <clears throat> like, year after year, where you just have to accept the fact that, like, I don't want to do anything else. Right. Like, it's either, it's this or bust. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, like, mm-hmm. when you get to that point, it's almost like a very therapeutic moment where you kind of just, like, everything slows down and then you're not in a rush anymore. Mm. And you can kind of, like, almost enjoy the suffering in a way that kind of, it all fuels your own mm-hmm. desire to, like, I guess, like, prove yourself, you know. So you're saying that it's something that you do wrestle with day in, day out, or week in, week out? You oh, know, yeah, it's it definitely is, that a it is kind thing. of a troubling yeah. thing that you feel I feel like agitation. at this point, like, you have so much rejection where, like, the chip on your shoulder gets so big you can't even see behind you. You know, like, it just, it becomes this thing that just, like, overwhelms, like, your, even your sense of identity, you know, mm-hmm. um, but... So what's it, the... Well, you know the rejection itself who, who is rejecting you who, oh, you know, it's who, everything who are you from actually like, pitching and who's uh, saying no you know it's everything from like just people you know that you're mm-hmm. trying to like build projects with to the film commission to film festivals to producers not wanting to work with you it's just mm-hmm. like wall-to-wall rejection mm-hmm. everywhere right. mm-hmm. and you have like really small wins on the way that oh yeah i got to um work with this person on this or this person actually wanted to develop this thing with me or this actor that I saw on TV that I really like actually wants to do this project if we find the money for it and things like that. So there's definitely, it's not like Mm. 100% rejection, maybe it's like 97, Mm -hmm. but like, and those little wins are like just enough to like keep Mm -hmm. you going. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, for the most part, it's kind of like you feel like, oh, everything's dead until everything's all green lit because it's mm-hmm. like that's just kind of how the industry works and it's mm-hmm. like that seems really unhealthy but that's just kind of the nature of it you're like nobody until everything kind of just swings open when you have that breakthrough project and i guess it's kind of like mm-hmm. all about how do i 
get that breakthrough mm-hmm. project mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's where like all the angst and the emo-ness comes into it <laughs> sure but have you have you with your screenwriting have you developed a script that you think so far is something that shouldn't be turned down by any you know r- r- rational <laughs> party no you, i don't you, you know have I, you created that thing that is that you think is kind of like like uh, has the you, juice or whatever indeed that, that that leaps off the page and gets somebody excited and you know i mean for well me of it. course like i have to think that otherwise right. like i i shouldn't be doing it you oh, know sure. like i definitely yeah. have scripts mm-hmm. where i'm like i don't think it's like this amazing template for success or whatever but i feel like the the bones and the mm-hmm. ideas are fresh enough and mm-hmm. new enough and original enough that it's worth developing sure. and it's worth so somebody um, you're hoping that someone will identify those factors in there and yeah and i just say hey yeah you should do but i know i next. don't i don't write for a panel like i i've never written anything because i think it would be something that a funding body would like and mm. that's why i think i've get into a lot of trouble with mm-hmm. applications and stuff because i just write exactly what I want to see mm-hmm. and what I know I what I want to mm-hmm. see is not necessarily what mm-hmm. uh, the film commission wants to support or New Zealand on air wants to fund because they have very much guidelines about what needs to fill certain mm-hmm. diversity quotas and things like this where it gets a mm-hmm. bit more you know, so the political. things that you're wanting to make have they any bearing on uh, say some of the movies you've adopted in our videos library um, or, or, or uh, do you have this paradoxical <laughs> no some of them definitely um, who you know like yeah. i adopted like you know like a romantic comedy and like mm-hmm. i definitely would uh more than one yeah <laughs> three i i definitely have written like romantic dramas and mm-hmm. stuff like that so mm-hmm. um yeah it's very the i guess like the script body is very eclectic right dramas stuff's in the future mm-hmm. like <clears throat> want to do period pieces and things mm-hmm. like that so um but why would you th- say it's not not what the film commission would be interested in? What's this? Oh, because you just look at like uh, if you look at what something uh, like a funding body has funded for the last ten years, and you go, none of my scripts fit in with any of that. Then that is a pretty um, mm-hmm. strong indicator, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I don't say that in a way that it's like, uh, oh, I'm not getting accepted because this. It's just like, oh maybe it's this and also maybe it's just not good enough mm-hmm. you know like it, it there's just so many different factors mm-hmm. and things like that so um mm. but yeah for some reason i just like you're on the keep trying it's great no I, best of luck and uh, and keep doing it um i guess um it reminds me of uh of when i first when you were first a customer at our video and uh, in fact, you you, ha- you had a script, and you were uh, that you were you, that you were keen about that um, that you were interested in one of our staff members becoming part of. Um, do you remember that, Kenneth? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, it's uh, not quite that. Uh, but I'm go- let's say you know you, you know going well. Explain yeah. to me, explain to me what what happened because that was an interesting. Um, you know, relates to exactly what you've been talking about. Yeah, you're referring with, to the thing about Ms. <laughs> no, I'm I'm talking about your script writing. Yeah, yeah well, because it wasn't a script; it was actually a novel. Oh, um, I beg yeah, your pardon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I just. All right. I think it was. Like, okay, well, you don't need actors for a novel. Yeah, no, it uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was more of like a. I don't know what it was. Like it was just embarrassing. That's what it was, really. <laughs> um, but it was. 
it was like 2012. This was a really mm-hmm. long time ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was like even dumber than I am now. So that was like I was like 20, mm-hmm. and but you're feeling your way. You're you're kind of you've got these ideas. <laughs> you want to get them out into the world, and you're looking at ways to do that. So yeah, this was yourself, definitely cut this yourself was some just, slack. This was right? more just, of just like an uh, unrealistic crush. It wasn't really about me getting my ideas out. Right. Um, it was. I had been like obviously renting for a while. I think I started renting when I was in high school here. So mm-hmm. even at that point, I had already been renting here for years, even though I was only twenty. And I remember like I was always coming in every Tuesday night because. I had no money, and you had the two for one. I think oh, right. I don't know if you still do that because I've been on the no. subscription. But no, no, we don't. You always had the two for one, so I was like, "Oh, I better go get like." I'm two. glad somebody up, up, up took that deal. <laughs> two, four, or six um, DVDs. So yeah. I would just like I used to live in Corey, so I'd just drive down every Tuesday night, and then I just kind of realized, oh, like Mizma's working a lot on Tuesday nights or whatever, and I remember just coming into the store and just kind of being. I don't know what the right word is, infatuated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would just talk about movies as you do, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember she mentioned that she really liked Terrence Malick at one point. And as like any just ridiculous movie geek, when someone like, when like a woman that you're attracted to likes a director that you like, you're like, oh my God, like, this is so pathetic, you know. And... I was just like, oh, wow, she was, you know, like you just start making all mm-hmm. these assumptions and connections like, oh, if she likes that, then she must be this kind of person and mm-hmm. we're going to get along like this. And mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. so stupid. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming in and I was like, oh, yeah, like we've talked like, you know, maybe like five minutes times so many times equals this amount of talking. Like right. it wouldn't seem like so inappropriate to like try to see this person outside the store. Like this is my head, like trying to mm-hmm. make sense of all this. Mm-hmm. So I like asked her. Whether she was single? No, I didn't. I didn't that, even have the nerve to like to put it out like that. I was just like gonna see if I could just I don't know get coffee with her or something, or like go to a movie. Mm-hmm. So I was the festival was on around this time, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll ask her like if she wants to see something at the festival. That would be like a good in to like get to know her or something like that, you know? Because um, you can only talk so much over the counter <laughs> and. I remember, like, I I asked her, like, you know, if if she was going to see stuff at the festival, which I knew she definitely would be, um, and whether she'd want to, you know, go with me. So I think I, like, gave her my number or something. I said I was going to, like, buy my tickets the next day. I was planning on going to see, like, 30-something films or something like that. And yeah. I was like, if you... I wrote down the list for her, I think, and I gave it to her. I was like, if you want to see any of these, which I realized at the time was, like... <clears throat> I just gave a list of 30-something movies that I was going to see by myself to someone that I was interested in. Like, how much of a loser does that make me look like? You know, like if you want to join me on any of these movies that I've seen Could you not have myself. made up some names and just scrolled them into the some of them? And then and then I just gave my number, so I was like, oh, if you want to see any of these, just like give me a text which ones if you want to see, and I'll get a ticket for you as well, or whatever. Uh-huh. And then... Exactly as I thought. She just texts saying like, oh, thanks, but no thanks. Like, you know, just the usual thing you, <laughs> like someone like me hears from someone that they like. And then I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Like, that was exactly what I thought would happen. Like, and that was kind of good for all the kind of unrealistic, like, uh-huh. fantasies in my head of this, like, movie friendship with this, like, woman that I just thought was amazing behind the counter. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and then time went past and I was kind of like trying to like, 
give myself like hope or whatever so when the to the wonder trailer came out uh i was like oh wow it's a new malik film even though she definitely like gave me like the friendly no to hanging out or whatever i think our mutual love for malik is is a good reason to text her or else i was like i text her and i was like oh like have you seen the trailer to the new malik film like looks awesome or whatever and then i like went for a shower and i came out of the shower and i'd seen that like there was a missed call from her and i was just like flipping out like in my head like i was like oh my god like she tried to call me and then it said on the text like um yeah like saw the trailer looks awesome whatever like can't wait to see it and then i messaged back like oh sorry i missed your call like blah blah blah. and then i was just kind of like waiting in like suspense or whatever and then she just said like oh sorry i must have like accidentally called you or something and i was like oh kill yourself like you know like where your head is going about like what that missed call meant or what it's just so stupid <laughs> like you could go to like jupiter and back in my uh-huh. head by the time that minute passed to like <laughs> what's going on you know like the stories you're telling yourself how do you feel about telling the story right now it's you know it's quite, quite personal <laughs> oh i this is the kind of stuff that i could say to a stranger on the street like it right. doesn't even like mm-hmm. i play like i would be more concerned like for mm. you or for like Ms. Morrison. like i have i don't know i for some reason i have like no shame about the stuff like oh that's like, okay i'm just checking i'm just checking yeah yeah that's fine no. And then the to get to the point about the book is like I was just like as everything else I was with her, I was also like kind of taken by her name. I was just like it's such a cool name. Like obviously I'd never heard of that name before or known anybody called Mizma. So I was like working on this book and I was like, Oh, like that'd be an amazing name for a character. Like nothing to do with her or nothing to do with like the store or anything. It was just like a fictional story, but I was just like cool name let me call this woman Mizma. so okay. i asked her in the store like hey can i use your name for a character and she was like yeah like whatever like it's just a story you know so i finished the book and <laughs> i give her the book you finished a book like what, what when you say you finished a book so it was a novel you finished it was a like a novel, novel. Like, a novel. like a i don't right. know like 100 something pages right, you know sure. i was working okay. at the women's college library at the time and mm-hmm. i was just like Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it was just like plowing through book after book, and usually I'm watching a lot more films and reading comics right. or whatever. So I think I was just reading so much, it just felt mm-hmm. made sense to not be screenwriting but to be writing prose. Right. So I, I wrote this horrible book, and like when I look back at it, like I'll find some pages on my computer, like from you know, like nine years ago, writing this thing. It's just so bad. Like mm-hmm. I remember, like a couple of years ago, I look back and go, Oh, I wonder what maybe there was something in there I could just like tweak it and it would be pretty good. And I just started reading the first couple of pages. Like you would just have to rewrite the whole thing, like word by word. Like it just wouldn't even be worth it. Um, like it was that bad. Mm. And, and I say that not in a, like a way of trying to be like, it was just horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, you've come a long way. (laughs) So I like, but at the time, obviously like I'm Mm. 20 years old, I Mm. wrote this thing. I'm not, I'm not Mm. thinking that I'm thinking like, Oh cool. Like I'll give Mm -hmm. this to her and she'll have a character named after her. Maybe she'll be flattered or something like that. Mm. So I like put it in this brown envelope with a little letter for her and everything. And I drop it off. And then I'm at some like, um, I'm at a 21st party and I get this text from her that says like, basically like just like rip my heart up, which was like, hey, uh, just like look through it or whatever. Um, I, I 
I'm not comfortable with you using my name for this character, and I question why you give why you gave this to me in the first place. Mm. And I just like, I just like melted. Like, Which was I, quite I, a I reasonable was, thing for her to say. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, I was just like devastated or whatever. So like, everyone was starting to get clubbing. I just like walked all the way back to Corey from town. Just like I must have been listening to some emo song on repeat or whatever. Just like feeling sorry for myself. And then I just sent back some like super like probably like pathetic apologetic like so sorry 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 whatever mm. um and i just felt like the next day i like physically felt sick like mm. i I, mm. I didn't want to get out of bed and stuff like that because mm. i felt like oh my god i must have like really offended her or something or mm. she must have like assumed that mm-hmm. the character was based on her and offended by what i'd written about this character even though it had nothing right. to do so i thought there must have been something lost okay. in the communication sure. there. and this is where i came in a little bit as well <laughs> um, because so what happened was you know as a result of what had happened yeah. um you know uh, Ms. Ma t- tapped me on the shoulder and said andrew you need to know about this that's going on um with a customer of ours <laughs> And um, and and so she told me the story from her point of view, and, yeah. and of course I was, you know, dutifully uh, concerned, you know, to protect my staff member yeah. from any kind of um, harassment or yeah. anything else that she was uncomfortable with. So yeah, yeah. which is so, totally like what you should do. Yeah, sure. So I mean, it never, uh, nothing kind of went further than that. Uh, yeah. Luckily, it was just kind of like, can you just sort of. Um, you know, just in case, you know, because I don't know what this guy's motivations are. <laughs> and and I think, I don't know what the content was of, yeah, of yeah. the novel, uh-huh. but yeah. am I right that there was, you know, there was some sort of explicit content and, you know... Um, yeah, sli- it was just like, a, sort of, like, I guess it would just be like a book that was for adults. Like, it wasn't yeah. like some... Mm. Yeah, it's weird because when I, I'm like, oh, it's just... It's Twisted a, sex it's and violence of, is what like, I'm really talking about. Not even, not even that. It wasn't even like. Um, <laughs> okay, that was what uh, I was imagining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very much like uh, anything that was there was more like a kind of stream of consciousness stuff that hmm. definitely, if you're looking at it not as a pure fiction, you would totally have those concerns. But hmm. that's why I, I was kind of all emo about it because i'm like oh i'm giving this to someone in the context of it's a full fiction yeah and their only connection to it is literally mm. just the name mm. um and it was you can see of, how she would have misunderstood though oh yeah of course because yeah. i'm like when I, mm. that's why i'm like oh it's just like uh like mm. one of the many pathetic like uh misunderstandings mm. like of someone who's well there was a, there was lesson number one wasn't it yeah and and like <laughs> and then i remember i was like so like down about the whole thing mm. of like man, the last thing I want is someone to feel uncomfortable. Mm. So they're like, if anything, it was intended to be something that, oh, it's cool that someone was like inspired by your name, mm. but that was it. But mm. then that was taken further, obviously. Um, so mm. I, I wrote what is even more horrible than the book itself <laughs> is the apology letter, which when I read that back, it's like, Wow. You know, like, <laughs> I don't, like I don't know what you mean, Kenneth. Okay. Like, it's just so, like, you're like, man, this person must be really pathetic. Like the way, because I was just so concerned that I made someone feel something that I didn't intend yeah, for them to yeah, feel, yeah, yeah. Um, especially in that context. Mm-hmm. That I was just like, which is a really so good deeply thing. apologetic in mm-hmm. the way that almost made me sound worse. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, because I'm like, I'll just like stay away from you as if right. I'm now like saying right. that I did do something right. bad, sure, 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 which sure. I didn't, you know. Okay. Um, so yeah. you're saying that the pathetic Kenneth is even more in that even le- more threatening than the <laughs> <laughs> the the letter was just so. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that I have it so I can right. remind myself of like, right. you know, to not so be that. You how, know? how long was it after the the, um, the rejection that you you put right, together the, an apology letter? I don't think it was that long because I was like, when something's eating me up, I like mm. I gotta get off my chest. So mm-hmm. I think like the next Tuesday I went and I had written the letter, printed it out, mm. um, put it in an envelope because I'm like, there's no way I can say this mm. out loud mm. because there might be another customer in the shop or this or that mm-hmm. or you just might not have the opportunity to say something that long so that's why i wrote it down and i literally just like went into the shop gave her the letter and left and i was like i'm not going to ro for a long time because <laughs> mm. i just didn't want because mm. i by her text i was like she obviously felt uncomfortable and i'm like mm. that's that's horrible like i don't mm-hmm. i don't want my like you know um interest in this person to make them uncomfortable especially at their work like that's mm-hmm. like the worst thing you do somewhere because like that's their job they go there mm-hmm. you can not go there but they can't you mm-hmm. know yeah so yeah, for me yeah, i was just yeah. like i just wanted to say like mm. sorry if you misunderstood the meaning of this thing um yeah. and that was it and then, why do you think that's pathetic to 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 oh it was just the to, tone of the, right, <laughs> the apology right, sure. and the apology was definitely mm-hmm. like something that i wanted to do but when i look at like the way i worded it it was just so bad um and then yeah i think i did just like not go i think i was at vic and i just started Mm. like going to the audiovisual library there a lot and watching stuff on the computers um because i was like i can't stop watching movies so um and And so there was no no contact after that in response to the apology no and then that Mm. made me even feel worse because i'm just like oh like right Mm-hmm. I don't know if she's like looks at this apology and goes like oh man this is even worse mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that's why I definitely stayed away because mm-hmm. like, if she would have said like oh like thanks mm-hmm. for the apology like blah 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 like that's okay like whatever then maybe I would have like come back to the shop mm-hmm. or whatever but I was like oh this needs some time or whatever because um, again like mm-hmm. the fact that she sounded uncomfortable made me like man i wish i never did that because yeah. like that was never the intention you mm-hmm. know um so yeah so <laughs> how's your heart these days you know is it, how do you think about it now that you know that's like in six, hindsight or is yeah in like, hindsight like how are you oh uh, it's definitely something where i'm like oh yeah that's exactly the kind of thing that i would do <laughs> like, right right it's not something that i look back and go mm-hmm. oh i wish i did this because i'm like no that's like who mm-hmm. i was in that moment and that's kind of like mm. stupid way i express myself you know mm. whereas like now i would just be like mm-hmm. if i like someone i just ask them out on a <laughs> you know like so so uh, we're like you know am i right in saying that your your confidence as a uh you know in, in the romantic states has, has since and you know increased you know that you're kind of you know that I don't you're know not, if you're not that 20 year old anymore i don't know if you? it's confidence it's more just i'm so deeply intense about every other aspect of my life and mm-hmm. and projects and writing and mm-hmm. and running and training and doing all these other things that like there's just not room to like be emotionally exhausted about a crush anymore right. so mm-hmm. that forces you to act differently because you just don't have time to be mm-hmm. like lying around looking at your phone for three hours like I used, you know like it's just you don't there's just i'm like i can't do that anymore yeah, it's sure. just not 
efficient. So I'm still that person, mm-hmm. but I just like mm-hmm. close. I just like stop myself from doing mm-hmm. the things that would be natural for me to do because mm, sure. it's just like it's not really effective. But you are a person that um, you know, in, in uh, you know, that seems to be in keeping with what you've just described. Um, for example, um, you know, with the podcast my podcast that you listened to you you were um one of the guests that we had on you were one of the people that contacted that person because you were very interested in the subject i think it was the uh funeral director director, yeah we had and and so fiona was really thrilled about that you you were not the only person to contact her yeah uh, through you know because of that interview which was the whole purpose of it you know for, for her um and so um so you are somebody who who is willing to put yourself your head above the parapet and and you know oh uh, if i'm like interested in somebody or something mm -hmm. i'll be quite happy to go extensively out of my comfort zone to try Mm. and make a connection Mm. like if yeah there's i kind of like i'll talk to strangers on the street Mm -hmm. and i have you know Mm -hmm. like it's not um there's because there's and this is like probably like a horrible thing to say, but like most people that I meet, I don't find particularly interesting. So if I meet someone or I hear somebody speak that mm-hmm. I think is interesting, mm-hmm. it's it's going to bug me until I find mm-hmm. a way to um, get more out of it, if there's right. a possibility. Right. Like I don't listen to people on shows from like other countries and it doesn't eat me up that I'm not part of their life or something like that. No. But just mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, it's a local show, like mm-hmm. I could... Yeah. feasibly just meet this person yeah, sure. and talk to them and learn more about their life because right. they sound interesting to me right. and like with Fiona right, that was sure. exactly what happened and and yeah. when you hear someone on a show for like an hour mm-hmm. that's quite a good amount of information to be able to make a judgement about I think mm-hmm. I would get along with this person right. you know and when I met up with Fiona for coffee it's like mm-hmm. yeah we like mm-hmm. talked for a couple of hours or something mm-hmm. and just like it's there's not a moment of silence because you're like I know there's things that I want to talk to this person about that I know that they're interested in so, um, yeah, that's like, it's not something that I feel comfortable doing, but if I'm interested in, I'm definitely going to go for I, it. I guess what I'm saying is that there's a, um, uh, you know, you just said that you don't have time to stare on your phone <laughs> longingly for three hours and, and because you've got lots of things going on that you're passionate about, but you are going to, you are somebody that is putting yourself out there and you are making contact and so forth. So what I'm guess I'm saying to you is that, you know, that, um, Love's gonna happen sooner or later, <laughs> Kenneth. Yeah, I'm not too. I'm not too fussed about that. Um, I think. Uh, no, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, just be, just watch out. Because it happens. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I'm not. Um, kind of. As um. Yeah. Kind of. I'm definitely as obsessed with like mm-hmm. love and relationships and movies about. Mm-hmm. You know that thing where like I don't know what it was and maybe it was in um, High Fidelity or something. Um, Nick Hornby was like, "Am I?" The character's like, am I miserable because I listen to pop music or does um, mm-hmm. pop music like, like, mm-hmm. or am I miserable so I listen to pop music or does pop music make me miserable or whatever? And sometimes I think that about romance mm-hmm. and relationships. Like, am I obsessed with them because I obsessively watch romantic movies right. or have romantic movies made me obsessed with romance and relationships like sure i'll like exhaust people with my questions about their relationship histories and stuff like that because i just want to like learn about them so do you think there's a relationship between the story you've just told about ms marinara video and and 
your obsession with romantic comedies. Do you think you were kind of developing a, a romantic comedy narrative <laughs> in your head? I think, like, I definitely make decisions that are, like, unnecessarily dramatic when mm. it comes to, like, real life. Like, I remember I'd gotten back from Europe, like, a few months ago, and I had just this kind of before sunrise type experience with this woman in Poland and I was talking to my friend on the phone and I was like heartbroken about it and you know I was talking to this person on the phone you know crying for an hour or whatever you know and this kind of really dramatic thing and just putting myself out there in a way that's just like almost ridiculous you know like emotionally and I was just talking to my friend on the phone about it and he's just like he's like you have to stop making decisions as if you're like in a romantic movie because like all the decisions are sweeping, like, big gestures, like, just not uh, typical, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how not to do that, you mm-hmm. know, like, for mm-hmm. me, Why I Why are you getting advice to, 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 um, to, you know, to temper that? Is because that, they, they can see how, they can see how, like, being... Is it not working it. for you? No, they can just see, like, the, the kind of emotional investment of that. Right. And right. it's when I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I, when I, when I think about it, I basically like think about what would, if this scenario was a movie, what would I want the character to do? And mm-hmm. that's the decision that I make. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't go through that process like literally, but I know mm-hmm. that's actually how my brain's processing mm-hmm. things for good things and bad things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a, like a kind of not wanting to just being normal or yeah kind of being mm-hmm. so bored by mm-hmm. mediocrity or right. kind of like ordinariness or whatever mm. however it would be described mm-hmm. and then and that's kind of like the so autopilot it... of my brain which can be good and can be bad mm-hmm. so does that mean you're kind of somewhat entertaining yourself you know it becomes almost i guess a maybe on some thing. kind of like a um subconscious level so has it i'm just intrigued about this before sunrise experience so so did, did it not go anywhere did it did it did it end flatly did it end badly what, what was what was well what, it was pretty what, much like if before sunrise happened but then one person afterwards was like made the sweeping move to be like hey i'll come to you or whatever or this and then that person said no. Right, sure. sure <laughs> so sure. that was that, and right. that was like uh, deeply heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, I'm like mm-hmm. super best friends with this person. We talk for hours on the phone all the time, and like message all the time, and almost like right. Um, yeah, but it was in that moment before the kind of mm-hmm. ensuing like intense friendship or whatever online. It's like that was deeply heartbreaking because all mm-hmm. I could think to do was to completely wear my heart out on my sleeve right, and be right, like, right, sure. I can't deny right. that before sunrise experience because right, it sure. felt so real and so and requited was... and so mm-hmm. intense that, um, who am I to, to not pursue that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in that following rejection is almost catharsis because if I didn't go for it, I would always be wondering what if, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Can I yeah. just ask? I mean, because we're, we're going to talk about these romantic comedies and how they play into what you know your personal experiences. Um, you know, that's two that's two intense experiences that you've had, and there's probably there's more. more. So, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so, why is this not a vein that you're tapping in, in your script writing, or is it? You know, is, is this oh, it's to definitely be... there, mm-hmm. but it's just manifest in like really different ways. 
Like I, I mean, most of them is more of like an obscure connection. But mm-hmm. then there's one that's like very obvious, which is basically like a before sunrise in Wellington. Right, but it's sure. about seventeen year olds, not people right. who are thirty. But there's no reason why you can't go out and shoot a before sunrise in Wellington with with, with an iPhone. Yeah, I mean that's and, what I've done and, with and, my and, other films. And make it for a few a, hundred bucks. Approach yeah. it like that, and yeah, I sure. But you know that that's the, the the shortcut to getting noticed. Yeah. So, what's holding you back from? Well, doing that's that? where like the the endless failures come in because I have done that and mm-hmm. it hasn't done what I hoped it would do, which was mm-hmm. get you noticed. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. now I'm kind of like. But has it been up to the standard that you wanted it to oh, be? Oh, absolutely not. And that's right. why I'm now kind of trying to develop something with a higher production value because I've done the really low mm-hmm. production and the level of compromise has just been so mm-hmm. heavy mm-hmm. that I don't think I can go through it again right. without being like, well, you already did this and it didn't work. Right. So now... I'm trying to like raise a certain amount of money to make something much shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, than the past films, but I'm like, oh, this this ten minutes should be better than the last two hours of films right. that I've made. Right. You know, sure. um, because I'm going to do it like mm-hmm. hopefully the right way and, right, right. and get the most value out mm-hmm. of um, those mm-hmm. pages and go mm-hmm. out with only a few bucks and with limited talent mm-hmm. and crew that have never made a film before mm, and sure. they're doing you favors and all, all mm-hmm. these things where basically you're you're compromising on mm-hmm. every single aspect of production mm-hmm. um sure. so those You've, things like you can do that obviously because other people have done it and that's what inspired me to do that but like i'm like oh i just the projects just weren't good enough and that's mm-hmm. like that's just like a mm-hmm. that's like a sad reality that i had to face that like i tried to do some of those things that other people had done and mm-hmm. it worked for them and it mm. didn't work for me yeah but know? do you find that you you know you learn from the mistakes you, you know from 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 doing it and, oh and yeah you look and back and I you think well the reason it doesn't work one. on this level or that level is because of this reason and this reason yeah i mean you've got to carry that with you i mean that's so you're not really ringing up the same girl every time <laughs> and getting a no you know it's, yeah you it's i mean you're growing different. each time like for yeah. me like every i don't know if you call it failure or like whatever like each film is just like and it's like education on steroids you just like you make so many mistakes and mm-hmm. you have so many small failures and small successes mm-hmm. in those projects that like you just mm-hmm. learn so much from those that i hope to incorporate all those lessons learned mm-hmm. into this next project and as mm-hmm. with any next project you hope it's that's the one that's going to pop i think kenneth you were the one that said to me a few weeks ago when we were speaking in the shop you know that it, you find it um uh somewhat discouraging to put it mildly you know that there are wonderful <laughs> films that you that you yourself admire you know feature films that others have made all over the world that have not found an audience well and not a and, very big one no yeah. sure and and so I think you mentioned Assassination Nation was that yeah. the one you were talking about you know that somebody makes a, a kind of firecracker of a film yeah. that is very sort of um, has a lot to say about where we're at um, in uh, like as an in, industry in, well no in terms of kind of you know pop culture and, oh in terms yeah, of like yeah, how yeah, something like yeah. that could not resonate yeah or, enough, or, yeah or find an audience of any yeah of that's any like really of, depressing in the way that I look at that film for example and go oh, I would kill to have made a film like that. Mm. And then the film doesn't really... Mm. Uh, it, it, it doesn't do anything. You know? It's you just know? like the abyss yeah. of... Or it's a cult movie. Yeah. You know? So it's... 
But I, yeah, it's it's funny. So how do you reconcile that with your ambitions? For me, I'm to... like, if that film premiered on Netflix, then it would be a different story. I don't in my like deep down in my heart, I don't believe it didn't resonate because it couldn't mm. connect with people. I just think that it got lost in the kind of inflation of mediums and platforms that mm-hmm. it couldn't find its audience like right, it, sure. the product is amazing right. people who were supposed to see it just didn't see it it's like a, if it would be if there was an amazing band but they just didn't put any music online right. no one would know about it okay. and that's to me how big mm-hmm. that pool of culture is that mm-hmm. you could literally make something for millions of dollars have a theatrical release in LA New York Chicago Boston whatever and then an entire country's population has never heard of it. Mm. Mm. Even though it might be the favorite movie of mm. an entire demographic of that country. Yeah, sure. And so to me, I'm kind of like disheartened in one way, but not in another way where I'm like, that makes me think more about the business side of like, okay, if I ever get the opportunity to, for people with the money to fund something that I want to do, I have to be really, I guess, smart about, well, how is this getting released like distribution is like more important than ever Mm -hmm. because it's not just about getting distribution it's about Mm -hmm. who is distributing and how and is this global is this local Mm -hmm. is this theater is this online um even the difference between like whether it would be on hbo or on netflix Mm -hmm. is like a huge difference Mm -hmm. in terms of your audience and your numbers and things like that Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's it just means you there's just so many more things to account for it's not just as simple as like Mm. one distribution platform this mm-hmm. is the theater mm-hmm. which was mm. kind of like everything was just about getting it made and now it's about True. how do we push and, it and i guess even though that might not have made money and 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 if you say become kind of a uh, a film that people know um i guess the people that made it you know they, they it opens up opportunities for them yeah. for their next project for because sure. certain people influence influential people will will be what you, seeing you, those films yeah, yeah. And, and and making and the, the next one whatever, with them and yeah. so forth yeah <laughs> so um so i guess one thing i did uh comment about when you did originally adopt a movie which um you've done several of thank you um was that yeah you're this uh dude and his uh, film obsessive in his late 20s and you know you're not you're not um adopting a kind of genre film uh, well, well you are but it's a different yeah. kind of genre and so that was what the first thing was that you were kind of um subverting a certain stereotype you know of the kind of the the film geek yeah yeah you know by taking this romantic comedy bit between your teeth so you've adopted a couple of julia roberts films so just tell us first about about so I, did well, i do my best friend's wedding and Notting hill yeah was you it? did yeah. so talk about my best friend's wedding first yeah that Uh, to me is like the goat of romantic comedies like it's just is that a is that an abbreviation of all time it's more of a sports thing all time sorry thank you like roger federer i thought it was an abbreviation for go to (laughs) oh no no. no. (laughs) goat okay thanks i learned something um yeah to me that's like the like the be all end all of rom-coms it just okay um, it's so like just pure delight like right. there's scenes in that film whether it's like mm-hmm. the the singing number at you know that um when they're doing the say a little prayer and stuff like that and everyone mm-hmm. joins in or it's you know the have to chase down your love at the mm. at the final moment of the film like mm-hmm. all the tropes that are so like familiar now are just done 
so perfectly and mm-hmm. Julia Roberts to me is like she's like the greatest romantic like comedy star mm-hmm. um, even though there are like other people that I love where it's like Reese Witherspoon or Jennifer mm-hmm. Lopez or you know yeah. I'm, a, I'm obviously a fan of all, <laughs> all mm-hmm. these people's films but for me she just has that absolute charm as a, mm-hmm. a movie star sure. that even if I watch her in something like Wonder I'm just waiting for that laugh to come out because I've just <laughs> fell in love with that laugh so heavily in her right. rom-coms mm-hmm. that like it just mm-hmm. makes you happy you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and you become so familiar with these stars even to the point where you're like waiting for the scene where she gets upset and she gets angry and then you can see that vein in her forehead come out and th- you know just like mm-hmm. you become so connected that you so it's just, a film you've seen quite a few times yeah I actually just watched it a couple months ago again right. and, and just like man this mm-hmm. movie's so good okay. you know um, full disclosure I haven't actually seen it I'm sorry <laughs> we did this spontaneously yeah. it's like okay okay let's do this interview and then I realised I hadn't watched this movie which I kind of I've watched it enough times for I'm you too I'm <laughs> disappointed that I haven't because I kind of it really is like kind of the, wanted to. the pinnacle for me of like <clears throat> 90s mm. her at her very popular but then still putting out like really really high quality you know how like mm-hmm. people might have their you know like she could have easily done pretty woman and then kind of a bunch of nothing after yep. that mm-hmm. but it was just bam 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 even like runaway bride and stuff i still think are really good not mm-hmm. quite as good as not my best friend's no. wedding but okay yeah notting hill is a completely different yeah. type of rom-com for me it's like yeah it's one that has so much more charm and sweetness about it that uh, I think like Richard Curtis is just really good at writing Mm -hmm. and that's like that's Mm -hmm. so fun to see as a contrast to My Best Friend's Wedding because My Best Friend's Wedding all about the bigness of Julia Roberts the hair the costume the Mm -hmm. laugh the the kind of charisma of her and Mm -hmm. then Notting Hill you're like wow she can be like extremely kind of gentle Mm -hmm. and sweet and Mm soft-spoken and that like I love and it's also about somebody who is obsessed obsessed with a movie star yeah who looks and sounds like <laughs> julia roberts yeah so. and it's like uh even from mm. a fan point of view it's just mm. fun to mm. watch that and i, I mean just, like, i have seen notting hill yeah. so i can't I can, and my little um over-the-counter story is that uh it is the only film that i have seen with four generations in the room <laughs> oh so cool. my grandfather my father me and yeah. my son or daughter all watched that on video in 1998 <laughs> uh, in Australia when we were staying at the house. Good reception? No, it was the VHS. No, no, good like a uh, Oh, good reception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. No, no, totally. It was perfect. Yeah, it's it amazing, eh? Like... <laughs> so, if anybody comes in and asks for multi-generational yeah. entertainment, I go, yeah. that is my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So, um, but another thing I was going to say about my, my best friend's wedding, I, I've actually just read the biography of Jocelyn Morehouse who was married to PJ Hogan. Oh, okay. So I kind of like incidentally yeah. know about that movie and its and its production right. um, from uh, the book. development yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from that book. Oh, I have how, to read it. And they're a married couple and <laughs> yeah. they have uh, they had four children two of whom were autistic oh, and, wow. and they had one autistic child at this time that they were having to juggle while PJ Hogan was getting these big yeah. Um, offers from Hollywood and deciding. See, it was know, Australian. Was yeah, so yeah, it's, so, so that it's was a his big, big film him, yeah. after um, Muriel's wedding. He was the wedding guy. Yeah. So, but you know the reviews were not so good from of this film. I have to say, Kenneth, which is kind of what discouraged me from watching it. Yeah, I mean, I tend so, to for some reason. There's a lot of films that I like 
go to bat yeah. for that, <laughs> that yeah. aren't reviewed well. Okay, or, well, speaking yeah. of films you go to bat for that aren't very well known, I mean, Ramona and Bezos, <laughs> 2010. Yeah, that Kids film, film was just like... Yeah, is this the nanny in you coming out? You know. Yeah, I mean, I love that film, like, period. Yeah. Like, it, right. I, I, I didn't, like, I watched it with kids that I've nannied, but yeah. I watched it first just as someone who wanted to see a film. Um, I think I watched it with a couple of my sisters. I rented it out. And, yeah, I was just, like, tearing up. Like, it's just... Mm. I don't know. I'm, like, a super sucker for, um, like, a good kind of kid cry movie, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And Joey King is just, like, amazing. You know, she's huge now. But in that film, she was just so good. And Selena Gomez was really good as well. And anything about, like, sisters Mm -hmm. just, like, kills me. Like... Mm -hmm. Like, I have six sisters, and when I go see something, you know, we talk about right. Little Woman. When I watch that movie, yeah. like, I'm just crying through the whole thing, you right, know? Right, sure. Um, so you're you're the only boy of seven, or you No, brothers? I have three brothers as three. well, yeah. You're from a family of ten? Yeah. Wow. So I grew up, like, okay. watching stuff like Grey's Anatomy and right, seeing right, right. Like, my sisters would watch this stuff, and I can see where it comes from, my love of, like, right, this okay. kind of material. <laughs> Because that was when I said that your sister had adopted Steel Magnolias. You, you're yeah, so be... that's the kind of stuff our family would. But watch. you didn't know who I was talking about because you've got six to choose from. <laughs> no, that, but then I that, remember that it explains. Was yeah. <laughs> um, so that Ramona and Bezos, I did learn a little bit about that today from Secret Source. That uh, that it's based on a 1950s, um, very popular book. Yeah, by, there's by a, Beverly Cleary. There's a whole series of yeah, them, yeah. which are incredibly revered as ch- children. Yeah, they were, I didn't even read them when I was a kid, yeah. but like they were around, and that's mm. why when this film came out, I was like, right. oh yeah, I remember. I think my sisters read some of those books, yeah. um, so I think that's why we got it out. And then I was yeah. kind of shocked that like right. a movie like that was some random kids film that hadn't even been really well reviewed was like mm. making me sit there and cry, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I'm just uh, just about the book, sorry, I've just got a quote here. More than 50 years after its publication, Beezus and Ramona, it's the other way around, remains one of the best books for middle grade readers about the challenges and joys of sibling relationships. Yeah, that definitely is probably why I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, And Magnificent Obsession is the fourth film. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. You forgot about that. Yeah, I definitely Douglas. went through like a surf phase. Right, sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you can see why the melodrama. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I heard of him because I watched some Tarantino interview where oh, yeah. he was just mm-hmm. um, fanboying over the yeah. shot in Magnificent Obsession where um, they're on the beach and you don't realise Rock Hudson's on the beach too with her um, and she doesn't realise he's there because she's blind but then the camera, you know... Um, mm like dollies over and it's just like it's just a really like amazing shot where Mm. just kind of like the use of camera movement can reveal so much just without saying anything Mm. um and i heard tarantino describing the shot i'm like man i gotta see this movie Mm. and then i just basically came to our room like got out a bunch of stuff by by cirque and watched it and that was probably Mm. probably my favorite one so i thought i'd adopt that one yeah you're a Cirque nice. fan? Or? Oh, yeah, I am. I yeah. must admit, I haven't actually seen Magnificent Obsession either. Um, in my my um, last-minute research, I thought, oh, my God, Kenneth has also adopted that film as well. Oh, <laughs> heck. Jeez, I have been. I've really got to focus on this task. Um, all right, so you're... Um, I was going to segue to your magnificent obsession, you know, about something else, but we've, al- we've already kind of gone there. 
Yeah, it's definitely not magnificent. But magnificent obsession is kind of does sort of sum you up. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I definitely have an obsessive personality, for better or for worse. Like, mm-hmm. I'll get obsessed with things that are healthy for me, and I'll get obsessed yeah. with things that are unhealthy for mm-hmm. me. So, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, this is the first teetotaling um, podcast session I've had. <laughs> so. um, yeah, it would be like... Uh, when you become more self-aware of, like, I guess your defects, or I was not implying you were an alcoholic, um, by the way. It was just <laughs> um, that, like, I will know that if I'll go down that rabbit hole, it's it's going to be long mm. and maybe dark. So you kind of stop yourself early from things, because mm. um, mm-hmm. I I know if I start something, do you sort of think of it as a compulsion? Do you do you, do you think? No, yeah, because I, I know from you, past experience that, right. like, if I if I start like a hobby or a fascination mm-hmm. with something like, mm-hmm. like there was a six month period where I was just like obsessed with sewing. Like, right, right, and right. then I'm like, man, this has nothing to do with right. becoming a successful filmmaker. Like this is not going to help me. Right. I was just making like sweater after sweater and t-shirts right, sure. and whatever. Mm-hmm. And you made some socks. No, those yeah. were actually um, oh, okay. from a manufacturer, but, oh, um, I'll just go down these holes where like, mm. it's all about like I'm spending all my time in the fabric warehouse or something. And I'm like, Mm. then you you go for six months and you go what the hell am i doing you know Mm. but you do that enough times with different things Mm -hmm. where um different kind of like side missions or hobbies whether it's like drumming or sewing for me these Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. that you really have to like stop yourself because i know i'm the kind of person who would i can't do something like just right for final casual there's no like moderation so it doesn't mean nothing impacts on other parts of your life is that what you mm. mean i mean that's the only way it would be a negative thing it for the most part like it doesn't but sometimes it definitely mm. it, sometimes i've never it heard of the idea of you must give up your sewing obsession <laughs> you know it's gonna kill you it's just, just but it's it's more like uh it, it's it mostly just affects me because mm. i'm like this is not what i should mm-hmm. be spending my time with i never i won't like get obsessed with like something mm. that's dangerous or something that's like hurting people or whatever no but if you're six months obsessed with sewing are you not a better sewer after the six months aren't you getting better and doing yeah i mean in that way it's kind of cool to learn another skill and have an understanding Mm. of something Mm. um but for someone like me who has like an intense like passion for something like cinema Mm. and wants to make a career out of something i'm like it's hard enough to Mm. just make a living in this industry Mm -hmm. I'm I sure Michelle really afford, Gondry would totally disagree with you um, on, that, on that one. I can't really afford time. But then it's weird because I'll, I'll flip back and forth all the time. Like, I just mm-hmm. listened to a podcast about a guy who's like, no, you shouldn't. Um, you shouldn't be specializing and doing all your time on one thing. So it's it's a constant existential like <laughs> wrestling of, like, should I be training for this all the time or should I be having a life and then I'll go mm. back and forth I'll go mm. on like you know mm. do things like the Europe trip and these things where I like their adventures and mm. life experience and trying different mm. hobbies and going joining clubs meeting other people mm. Mm. and then I'll just like all I want to do is just shut off like in April I'm just going to go away for 30 days and have no internet or phone and just be away from the whole world and like those are some of the kind of I guess mm reactions i have to having a quote-unquote life Mm. is like Mm. 
Um, there's that part of me that's like, oh, if you want to be successful, you can have no life. And then there's Mm -hmm. a part of me that's like, well, being successful is about having something to say and having experiences. So it's this constant wrestling between these two because I have a big belief in both sides and both arguments. And I think they're both valid in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yes, my mum said to me, um, so I I live out in Paikokoreki now, and um, my mum said, oh, is it the best of both worlds that you're living? And I said, well, sometimes it seems like that and other a lot of the time it feels like a push and a pull mm-hmm. you know i'm kind of like you're in two different places and you're kind of you you you, you can't make up your mind where you're supposed to be because you've got options yeah you and it, it's it's hard because you you kind of go intense on something and like i was just listening to a podcast today where they were talking about this where you try really hard and you want to become the best at something but then because you let that swallow you up it's almost like you stunt your growth as a human being because you're just not out there living Mm. and it's it's just a really weird thing to think about where it's like in order to be good at this Mm. i have to shut myself off from the world to practice Mm. but then in order to be good at it Mm. i have to have something to say which means i can't be stuck in a room because Mm. what happens in your life and informs Mm. you by having experiences is going to give you better material and make Mm -hmm. you a better writer Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. it's really it's just Mm -hmm. i don't think you can ever be like happy Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like really happy because it's always going to be not quite balanced Mm -hmm. enough you're always going to be in one or the other too Mm -hmm. much and if you're hard on yourself then you're never going to be satisfied do you think the idea of uh being open and honest about you know these some of these things you've talked about this is certainly the most personal you know um, i've had anybody talk on the podcast so which is great you know and and we have you know i did know we were going to talk about this because we have had conversations um previously about it but um do you think that it's uh that it's useful you know in, in terms of what you want to do um, you know, in terms of reconciling your experiences and then trying to, you know, yeah, make I mean, sense for of me, it's always and... like good to talk about things in yeah. general. Like, I'm very much of that mindset of like. Is there a therapeutic aspect to the idea of making films? Oh, completely. Like, it's for me. Uh, I would say, if someone wanted to like know the true essence of like who I was as a human being, they would just have to read like the last maybe six feature scripts that i'd written and if they read those then maybe they'd know more about me than anyone who i've ever met in my life even like Mm -hmm. my best friend or whatever Mm -hmm. just because it's it's like therapeutic but like so therapeutic in the way that i'll put all my demons into the scripts Mm -hmm. even stuff that i would never ever dare to talk about Mm -hmm. i'll fictionalize Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. basically like each script is dealing with a certain kind of fear or anxiety or insecurity Mm -hmm. and it's like oh this is all my insecurities about women in this script this is all my fear about like what if i let myself become that Mm -hmm. much of a monster or Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. materialize those dark thoughts that's what that character is and that might be a bad guy or something like that so there's in that way it's almost like an exorcism Mm -hmm. like there's stuff that i feel like i just got to get out and for me for whatever reason the natural way to get that out is through character Mm -hmm. and through screenwriting so Mm -hmm. it's almost like there's stuff that i've written in the past where i'm like that's never going to get made maybe ever and maybe i don't even want to but the process of waking up Mm 
mm. at 5 a.m. each morning and writing that story because it only felt right mm. to write it in the dark because that's what the material was. Right. That once it was finished, it was almost like taking off a weight mm-hmm. because you're like, man, that there was some really dark stuff going on in your head and you kind of understand it better because when you write characters that are going through certain feelings that are going on in your head, you have to write how they deal with it. Mm-hmm. So you almost are like writing, you're like giving yourself therapy yeah. by finding solutions for those characters. Sure. So are you in a regular re- regime of five o'clock in the morning writing? No, that will be like periodical. I like see. I might like for this whole script, whether mm. it takes two weeks or it takes two months, I might get up at this time because okay. that's what feels right for it. Or right. um, yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely a phase thing, but mm-hmm. I definitely... Um, really enjoy those kind of obsessive mm-hmm. routines where I feel very productive because of the right. time or whatever. I was just going to ask uh, um, about you being one of 10 siblings and mm-hmm. do you think that that situation impacts on your sort of obsessive nature? Is, is there something I feel there like about it? I only know one, one other family that had that many siblings and they were very competitive famously. Yeah, we're very... Like especially a few of us, extremely competitive, mm. um, and I also feel like in the age of like overpopulation and just even ideas like this, it starts to like for me anyway. I don't know. I can't speak on behalf of my siblings, but like it almost gives you a sense of responsibility that like man, you're likely to be worth something, you know, like because mm-hmm. you're part of this massive family that's like way above average for a quota you know mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. it's almost like <laughs> man you better do something good for the world and for right. me like right. i yes. feel like i have things to say that the intention behind them is both to like entertain but also to like make people kind of ask questions of themselves that hopefully make them better mm-hmm. you know or make mm-hmm. them deal with things maybe they didn't want to deal with mm-hmm. um so for me like the the dream is to express myself fully personally through films mm-hmm. and for those to have a positive impact on the people that watch them and maybe not mm-hmm. all the people then but enough people that it was doing uh the world was better for having those films in it mm-hmm. that's like the ultimate desire i guess well that's very um, nice i mean kenneth you know, i'm welling up here i, I want to say to you we're going to finish up now but i'm going to say that you know well you've made my podcast a better place by coming on it Thanks. and uh and and uh, and being so open and frank and uh, and generous so all the best for when you move up to auckland and uh, all the best with those those projects and so. i like in the in the same way like i I feel like a huge gratitude to the shop because like if you're me and you're obsessed with movies and you don't want to just watch you know 90s or 2000 cinema you want to go back 30s 40s 50s and foreign films this was like the only place I could go to regularly know that I could get that fix and those films that I've watched like those hundreds and hundreds of films that I've watched from here have obviously had like a massive influence on my life so I'm like oh, this guy who's opened the shop in the 80s or whatever who decided to do this thing and that has willed it to survive uh, to the point where someone that's my age could make use of that resource after years of building up this catalogue. I'm like, oh, you've, like, just by owning the store, you've, like, kind of indirectly had this massive influence through the films that you've provided for me. Because I'm like, oh, if I couldn't have watched those, I might not be as passionate or as 
like driven as i am because it's the films that keep you going you know Mm. you know when you're sad you watch this when you're happy you watch this and i'm like oh this is where i got all of that Mm. so Mm. um that like As I say, for some mysterious reason, the interview just cut off at that point, uh, which I was at least grateful that uh, there was nothing important that was missed other than uh, me reciprocating uh, Kenneth's sentiments by saying thank you so much for uh, what he'd brought to uh, the podcast and to uh, our shop's culture. So thank you so much, Kenneth. And there's just one interesting footnote as well, um, something I forgot to ask uh, during the interview, but uh, has some relevance, I guess, to Kenneth being one of 10 siblings. And uh, that was where his family are originally from. And his mother is Samoan and his father is Caucasian American from Nebraska. So uh, interesting, uh, unique combination and um, uh, something that, again, um, you know, makes uh, Kenneth quite quite uh, a singular personality. Anyway, thank you for listening. And uh, if you would like to adopt a movie for yourself and support RO Video, you can do so online or over the counter. It costs $35 uh, where you have your name uh, attached to uh, a movie of your choice, something meaningful, and you never know. If you want to, you can come on this podcast and talk about it. Uh, so anyway, I'm hoping to get the ball rolling for another season of the podcast. So thank you for listening. And um, I've got some interesting guests uh, scheduled for 2020. So in the meantime, uh, we will uh, say goodbye for now. Kakite kite anō.